Saving the historic fabric of America's national parks is a massive job, and it requires a wide range of skills. Teaching those skills and passing down the historic trades within the National Park Service is the responsibility of the National Historic Preservation Training Center. Established in 1977 and headquartered in Frederick, Maryland, the center is the Park Service's premier preservation training center. Today's guest, Moss Rudley, is the superintendent of the center and a historic mason by training. And in 2018, Preservation Maryland signed an agreement with the center to launch a new initiative, the Campaign for Historic Trades, which is designed to expand the center's apprenticeship program. So grab your safety goggles and hammer, because on this week's PreserveCast, we're talking about the role of this unique center and their effort to train America's next generation of historic tradespeople. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast! Before we start this week's episode, I really want to thank you for listening, and I want to ask for your help. PreserveCast is powered by Preservation Maryland, a nonprofit organization that depends on member contributions to fund its work. This podcast receives no government support and currently has no major funder support. Its budget is entirely dependent on listener contributions. I'm hoping you'll consider making a quick gift to help support this podcast, which is bringing important preservation stories to thousands of listeners around the country. Think of us as your preservation Netflix. Any amount helps, and you can make a quick online donation by going to preservecast.org and clicking the Donate Now button in the upper right-hand corner. We'd greatly appreciate it. Now, let's get preserving. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Moss Rudley, who is a native of Greenbrier County, West Virginia, where he was raised on a working cattle farm filled with historic vernacular structures. He was first exposed to the trades in the field of historic preservation through the care of hand-hewn log structures of the Scots-Irish and German. A graduate of Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, he's been with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center since 2000. A historic mason by training, after over 17 years at the center, he was promoted to superintendent in 2017. Moss, it's a pleasure to have you with us here today on PreserveCast. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, you have a really interesting background and uh, sort of your path to preservation. Uh, what, tell, pe- tell people, like, how did you get into this? What was your, were you always into historic buildings? And when did you decide that you really wanted to kind of do the work that you do today? Well, I think it, it all started as um, with, with my father and, and a kind of, hobby or passion of his was um he he uh moved to west virginia and, and um bought a, a log cabin and was living in it and um from there he uh he took a job with the shippo doing surveys of um historic settlement cabins and cabins and up in the hollows and he would drag me around on those visits to these kind of old settlement sites that um, are very vernacular and did sketches of the, the properties and the, and the buildings. And then from there, he, uh, he kind of gained an affinity for log cabins. And along the way, people would say, well, if you want it, you can just come and tear it down. I'd like to have it gone. So he started collecting these buildings on our farm. And uh, it was a working cattle farm and you know, there was never enough buildings. So he, 
he really got into some ways collecting um, historic log cabins and saving them. Some some got repurposed and put together as different types of structures only because of the decay. So that's really where I got my start in it and kind of, okay, old buildings are cool. And, and then um, when I was in high school, he, uh, he actually tore down a, a log cabin that somebody had given to him and he decided he was going to rebuild it overseas. So we put it in a shipping container and sent it to Israel. So I, I've been exposed to these types of historic structures and then, um, kind of went to college at Shepherd University. It was the college at the time. And basically I uh, was an engineering major. I was going to be a structural engineer and, and uh, went through that program and, and kind of had a change of heart and thought and finished out, uh, ended up getting a little sidebar and got a degree in culinary arts and then uh, came back to this, this world of preservation and uh, happened to uh, – look at it again from a different perspective and a career and, and actually uh, found a local contractor who was trained by the National Trust for Historic Preservation, um, David Gibney, and started, um, just reached out to him and, and asked for a job and, and got a job in, in, as a trade worker. And, and really from there, um, started my career path in historic preservation and from there, it took me to do the park service. So I have to ask you, it sounds pretty cool what your your dad put together. Are all the structures still there? Is that farm still in the family? Oh, yes. It's still still in the family. Um, there are, I think, 17 log structures there. And uh, the one that was shipped to Israel, we rebuilt and uh, actually donated um, to, to a kibbutz over there. So... Um, wow. Yeah, they're all still around. 17 log structures. That's got to be, that might be a record. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, yep. So it's, uh, if you've ever been to Virginia City, Nevada, or uh, Montana, it kind of reminds me of that place. Okay. Very cool. So you worked for David Gibney, who, um, you know, in, in the mid-Atlantic is sort of a legend in, in historic preservation, has worked on a lot of important historic structures. And then you make the transition to working for the National Park Service in 2000. And what did you start doing there? What was your what was your first gig with the Park Service? Um, I was actually hired as a as a just a maintenance worker. So I was a labor and um, trade worker in their carpentry division, and, and it was where I had my skills in log um, log work and in those aspects of doing the repairs and, and stuff on those cabins. So I got into that division and in about 2004, I uh, was accepted into the exhibit specialist training program. And so that started my uh, acceleration into project leadership, design, execution of preservation work from a, a um, kind of project management and overall trade perspective. And you work primarily in the masonry division? So um, I, I did. From from there, I took a lot of opportunities to apprentice under the historic masons at, at HBTC. And when I was accepted into the exhibit specialist training program, I entered that in the masonry division. And so tell us a little bit about, I mean, people may be familiar with sort of just general, you know, modern day masonry 
what's the, I mean, is it, is it similar? Is it more challenging? What is it like to train to be a historic Mason? What did that process look like? And, and, and how, how does it compare to what people might be familiar with, with modern day masonry? Um, with, with modern day masonry, there are a lot of correlating and, and transferable knowledge and skills between the two. Somebody can come in from either end of um, that spectrum, but you're still laying up and working with mortar. You're still using units, whether they be stone or concrete block, and you're still giving or, or staying within the trade. Um, the difference comes when, when you specialize in historic masonry, things like solid wall construction, the materials that are used in both both from a um, unit perspective, the bricks or the stone or, or the various types of materials are, are all different and not readily available to match what's historically there. Um, engineers today have transferred to, in the modern specs, a lot more standardized building systems that are harder for engineers to put their stamp and provide the necessary um, liability and compliance with codes that are required today. So you, you have to learn the nuances of that. You have to understand um, certain elements of a building are part of the character and, and may not um, actually need repairing or have a certain patina that is allowable in what wouldn't be, wouldn't happen in modern masonry. What I do see is a very transferable part of the trowel skills, the hand skills, and, and those associated aspects. So a modern, somebody who's only trained in modern masonry, those hand skills and the understanding of using a level, the line, plumbing, some of those skills all transfer to, to doing historic work. It's just in a different type of building system. So you are have been with the Historic Preservation Training Center um, and that's where you, where you learn this work and then have transitioned into leadership roles and are now the, the superintendent of the center. But you've been there since since 2000. Why don't you give people a sense who maybe aren't familiar with it? What is the National Historic Preservation Training Center? Sort of paint a picture of where you guys are located and, and what kind of work you do and what your mission is. So, yeah, thank you. It's uh, always a great opportunity to uh, explain what HPTC does and where we came from. So, being a historic preservation training center, the history of it is um, we were born out of a, a dual crisis in some ways. It was um, it was a natural disaster. Hurricane Agnes came up through the Potomac River shed and, and damaged a lot of historic resources up the CNO Canal. At the same time, a project manager came on to manage those projects for the National Park Service that realized that there weren't the necessarily skills um, available to work on these historic structures anywhere um, in the local area, much less throughout the park service. And so he recognized a real skill gap in the trades, uh, especially trades around historic trades, timber framing, cedar shingle roofing, stonework, masonry, these aspects and bring these together. So, he was very bold at the time and, and decided to say, okay, well, I am going to, instead of just finding a contractor to try to do this, I'm going to start bringing people in and training them, finding the resources to train them, and then letting them perform the work and building capacity and skill 
across the board. Now, that was in 1977. Many ways, you, you fast forward 40 years plus, and um, the situations are very similar. The natural disasters that hit the Maria and Emma a year and a half, almost two years ago, highlighted almost an identical need. Um, we find it reoccurring all over the country is that as our building stock ages, as our heritage is, we try to keep that cultural heritage alive, we're not developing people around the trades and, more importantly, for those aspects, the historic trades. So the Historic Preservation Training Center, as it currently stands, operates a large full-scale construction operation, preservation services, where we utilize preservation projects that the National Park Service needs on their historic structures and uses those as a classroom to train a variety of different individuals during the course of that project. We're training project leaders and project management in how to properly develop scopes of work, estimates, um, material needs, sourcing materials, um, time it takes to do work. From there, we're training different various grades of tradesmen. So we, there's always a master tradesman associated with all of our divisions. From there, they sequentially go down in years of experience. We have tradesmen with 35, 40 years of experience, um, and, and you go down the line and you have your, your lowest and newest, which is, would be youth interns and intakes, um, getting just an experience, a taste of that. So in that course, we do all this fee-for-service. So the project pays for the development of people, much like historic apprenticeship programs. So that's how we operate. We do about 60 projects a year at probably around 25 to 30 um, national parks. Um, we also do partner with other federal agencies and, and nonprofit or local state and governments to, to perform work on their structures, as well as um, sometimes along the way, we do provide independent skills trainings, um, but more of it is captured in, in the projects. So tell us a little bit, you, you mentioned 25, 30 parks. Um, where are you working right now? Just kind of give people a sense for the, the scope and, and maybe, you know, where you're working and, and the types of projects that you guys are working on. So of our, of our divisions, we have a masonry, a carpentry, and a woodcrafting division. We also operate a small architecture and project management division. So currently our masonry division is uh, repairing and, and resetting the capstones at Fort McHenry in Baltimore. Um, they are finishing up a, a project at, in St. Croix at uh, Fort Christensen. They're working at Catoctin Mountain Furnace at Camp Greenmount, I believe. Um, they're, they're also in a project at the uh, CNO Canal um, Round Top Cement Mill. They'll, they'll be doing... Um, Vanderbilt, uh, home of Franklin Roosevelt. Um, they'll be doing a little work at Harper's Ferry along the year. So there's a good bit of uh, work close to home in, in this current environment for the masonry section. Our carpentry section, they're finishing up some work at Fort Pulaski. They're also finishing up some um, work at uh, Catoctin Mountain Furnace. Um, we do have our woodcrafting division that is working at Arlington National Cemetery. They're working um, at St. Gaudens National Historic Site in uh, Cornish, New Hampshire. They are uh, finishing up 
some windows for uh, the White House and getting ready to embark on a project at Harpers Ferry National Historic Site. So you name it, you, you've, you I mean, at some point, HPTC, if it's historic and it's in the Park Service, there's probably a good chance that you guys have touched it. Yes, there is quite a bit of scale in that. We have we worked pretty much for any region, any park. Um, we're in discussions about some project training work at Ballard of the Pacific Pearl Harbor, we have a lot of parks that use our services reoccurringly um, on, on an annual basis, multiple projects, and those tend to be um, parks within our uh, couple-hour vicinity of us. Um, so the Harper's Ferries, the Antietam's, the Washington, D.C. parks. Um, we all have a, a really good working relationship that, that allows for good training opportunities, but also um, good work opportunities. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of good work opportunities, um, we're working on something together. Preservation Maryland, in partnership with the, the HPTC, has um, launched a, you know, a charitable partnership called the Campaign for Historic Trades, which is focused on trying to expand, in particular, you know, a variety of different things that you guys work on, but in specifically the, the Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, um, which might be an interesting thing for you to talk a little bit about, about what you guys call TTAP, but the Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program. So you know, in terms of like work experience and getting people into the field and training the next generation, what is the, that, that, tra- that apprenticeship program? What does it look like? And, and what kind of projects um, are those folks who are engaged in that program working on? Oh, thank you. Yeah, the, the recognizing that the next generation, um, looking at the Park Service, and, and I think this mirrors across the uh, country in a lot of respects, is the median age of the maintenance employees at the Park Service are around uh, 54 years of age. And um, how do we engage a new generation, make something um, modern, but you still stick with the kind of idea of work progression and, and the apprenticeship model. So the traditional trades apprentice program is a, at, at its current state is a youth and veteran intake program that serves youth from 18 to 30 and veterans from 18 to 35. And they go through a six month pre-apprenticeship um, that will provide them with a um good introduction into um, historic trades, historic preservation, as well as things like communication, um, workability, um, employability. Um, as part of that program, we, are, uh, we have designed a three-day introduction to historic preservation primer um, that's very interactive. It's hands-on. It has electronic um, modules, but it also relates to the, the trades and why why you preserve historic structures, especially related to the Secretary of Interior standards. The second part of that is a seven-day National Center for Construction, Education, and Research, NCCER, Core Craft Construction Curriculum. And that is a nationally recognized um, and accredited certification program that High school VOTEC programs, college vocational programs utilize to teach trades education. And that is basically at the end of the six months, you, you pass this um, NCCR test because it, it is proctored. It does have tests and requires um, 
so some effort on, on the parts of participants. You have a, a nationally recognized certification, then you can leave the leave the program and go to a um, say you wanted to be an electrician. You have your prerequisites done. You're, you're ready to to get to the meat of the that training. Or if you wanted to just get a job in um, with a construction company, you have your safety card checked. You, they know the curriculum that, that you've gone through and, and can vouch for, for you have something to vouch for what you know and the skills you have. And you're, you're also at the end of this program eligible for non-competitive federal hiring. So you could also go into the federal service too, if you really wanted to go that route, right? That is correct. Absolutely. So the um, we work through um, a nonprofit service corps, similar to the, the old CCC, and and they they provide through a, a cooperative agreement the members for this program. And, and if they do 640 hours, which they will get in that six month period, um, they are eligible for um, some non competitive hiring status um, with the National Park Service. And so, so these cohorts. Oh, I was just gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, they, so these cohorts. They, there are projects all across the country. And 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 how many people do you have in the program right now? So um, we're projected to have about sixty to seventy participants in the program this year. At current, we are at um, nineteen um, in the field. HPTC doesn't have the capacity to take on sixty. Um, unskilled or, or um, new people into the field. So we've partnered with parks and craftspeople across the country. And so we have cohorts in Chattanooga, Chickamauga in, in Georgia, Fort Pulaski in, in Georgia. Um, we're gonna, we have a mid-Atlantic cohort that has members in Gettysburg, Antietam, some located with HPTC, Manassas. Um, we're going to have a Pacific West cohort. So there's going to be members from Lassen Volcano, um, Oregon Caves, Mount Rainier, Channel Islands. Um, we also plan we'll have a, a Southeast cohort. So Gulf Islands National Seashore, Timucuan Ecological Preserve, San Juan Nas- National Historic Site, um, as well as a few others uh, scattered around the country. So it's a huge program. And I mean, I, you know, I will sort of uh, say, you know, given our involvement in all of this is that we're excited to, to see it grow and, and, and hope to, to continue to, to grow it. And uh, would also, you know, note that um, Talk Tours, um, which is a, a company um, based out of Connecticut, has been very supportive in that, that mid-Atlantic cohort of veterans that you mentioned is actually being sponsored by them. So there's a lot of private sector interest in this and, and really trying to see if we can grow this thing because the need, as you said, is great. Um, I just wanted to, to ask, I mean, and, and I kind of know the answer here, but it's good for you to get it on the record. If people are interested in the program and they want to learn more about the program, they want to join the traditional trades, or they just want to learn more about the Historic Preservation Training Center, where can they find that information? So um, they can go to our website at um, nps.gov backslash HPTC or nps.gov backslash TTAP, T-T-A-P. Perfect. And you're always always kind of in a recruitment phase, so there's always an opportunity if you're a young adult between the ages of 18 and 30 or you're a post-9-11 vet and looking for um, a new career opportunity, um, 
you know, the, 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 the cohorts right now are getting filled, but there will be opportunities again in the future. And, um, you know, I know we're working together to try and continue to expand this thing. So if people are interested, it's important for them to take a look and, and, and find out more information and maybe put an application in. Absolutely. We have links to all the applications that are currently open on the website and as well as, um, explanations of our different divisions, example projects. It's a very, uh, got a lot of good information on the website. So before we let you go and get back to the important work that you do, um, we asked the most difficult question, your favorite historic place or site. That's a uh, very interesting one. And um, while I have um, a whole lot of them, the one that has, has been the most intriguing as a historical site, I think that has some of the most, recognition but also is is a very unique one um is the white house i have had the pleasure of doing preservation work and projects since 2001 uh, at at that site and uh it's been such a pleasure to be able to in many ways help shape um the preservation that has occurred uh, especially related to the exterior masonry and um and, and the windows and, and exterior wood packages. Um, I think HPTC and, and myself personally um, have, have contributed to um, the saving of, of a lot of historic resources and, and, and that uh, of that complex. So it, 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 without a doubt, it's most notable, but it, it is definitely uh, brings a lot of passion in me. Well, I think it's a good answer. I mean, a lot of people can point to the White House. Not everybody can say, I like the White House because I've got to work on the masonry there. And that is, uh, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool and, uh, and something that I'm sure you and, and your whole family are pretty proud of. So, um, Moss, this has been fantastic. Um, always fun to talk with you. And uh, we'll have to get an update again in the future to hear about all the great things that you guys are working on. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's show, notes, and all previous episodes, visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving.